The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, aging, forgiveness, and finally, death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was the student. I think people have, so much of them have not found meaning in their life. So they're running all the time, looking for it, not knowing that that's what they're looking for. I'm Mitch Album, and you are listening to Tuesday People, the Tuesday People podcast, which we do every Tuesday. And just like my visits with my old professor, Maury Schwartz, we take one topic that has to do with a meaningful life and explore it through the eyes of some of the things that he taught me and through the eyes of some of the things that I've learned in the, oh, nearly 30 years since. Uh, my co-host is the indefatigable Lisa Goitsch. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Mitch. Happy Tuesday. Nice to have you here with us again. And the topic we're taking on today, I think, is a, a really pertinent one. It has to do with the envy of youth. And we are in a society that worships youth. We don't just envy youth. We, we almost throw you out if you pass your expiration date. And mm-hmm. everything is geared towards the young, the 15-year-old who invents an app and makes a gazillion dollars, the 18-year-old actor, the 19-year-old director, the 24-year-old tech genius. We are in such a mode now where uh, young is good and being younger is good and we deny ourselves getting older. And this is not a new issue because in 1995, when I went and visited with Maury Schwartz, it was an issue then too. And I remember thinking that here I am, this relatively younger man, I was 37 years old, visiting this 78-year-old dying man, and I could walk, I was healthy, I could fly home. I remember I would bring him food all the time, thinking, hey, it's great, we'll eat together. And he didn't have the heart to tell me that because of his degenerative disease, he could no longer swallow the food. So he would ask me to put it in the refrigerator and he'd get it later. And until one day I came and I opened the freezer and it was all hidden in the freezer. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, this is, yeah, this is what he was up against. And how did he keep from envying me, you know, my youth. Now, let's talk about this for a second, because I think it's a real issue in the United States, Lisa. I think that you have young people who can't wait to get older because they want to get rich and get famous and get accomplished. And yet, as young as, honestly, 29, they start panicking about how old they're getting. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because they know that at 29 they aren't valued anymore. And I mean that in the sense of, look at, I hate this word so much, but influencers. Yeah. You know, like YouTube influencers. Right. They're 15 years old, 16 years old, 17 years old. Right. That's their audience. That's when they make their million dollars. When they're 29, uh, bye-bye. Right. It's just such a 
yeah, weird world we're living in. And this, as I say, this isn't new, but it's worse than it was even when I was visiting with Maury. And you think about really, okay, take it like this. We have a process in America where starting like in your late 20s, you start a routine, whether you realize it or not, of kind of denying you're getting older, right? So guys, you start working out. You know, we used to just call it playing ball. You know, it used to just be sports. When you're a kid, you, you go out, you just play it for fun. Now it's working out. It has to have a purpose, right? And mm-hmm. uh, women, you know, if you are if you do the shopping for your family uh, and you start buying food, you start pulling the uh, boxes off the shelf and reading that little black and white box that has all the nutrition. Mm-hmm. Kits. You have to read before you <laughs> eat now, right? Because we don't want to get fat and we don't want to put on a weenie. We never used to do that when we were younger. We just eat the food, you know, and now you have to read the food before you can eat the food. And then guys, if you get older, you start losing your hair, you start flopping it over onto the other side, you know, and uh, then we get into our 40s and our 50s and we're getting our tummies tucked and our lipo sucked and all the rest of it. And then we're divorcing our first husband or our first wife because somehow we think we need to upgrade in some capacity. And then we're riding around in a little red sports car listening to rap music and saying, oh, I've been listening to it for years. I think it's fabulous. You know, all in this effort to stay young. You know, we just, we don't want to yeah. get old. We envy the young. They're youth. Look at all the commercials that are made. Now, if they're for adult products, okay, they're going to use, you know, older people. But if they're for just general stuff, cars, but it's always attractive young people who probably don't have the money to buy any of these things, but mm-hmm. they're using them to advertise all the, we, we just want to look like them. We want to be wrinkle free. We want to, we want to be able to get up in the morning with that spring in our step. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to have any of the aches and pains that come with aging. We don't want to have any of the stomach indigestion. We, we just want to be young again. I remember my friend Dave Barry, a very, very funny uh, writer, and uh, we play in a band together, and he's a you know, Pulitzer Prize winning. And, and he said that they invented oldies radio so that people like us would think that our music was still being played on the radio. You know, like, <laughs> true. like we would get into the car and say, oh, it's Chubby Checker, he's still hot. You know, <laughs> he's still hot. We, we just want to stay young. We, we, we envy the young, they're youth. And I remember the day that I went in, the Tuesday that I went into Maury, and I was thinking about this. I must have seen a billboard or something like that. And, and here he was, unable to walk, suffering from ALS, unable to move, needing to be carried from room to room, needing somebody to you know wipe his tears, wipe his own rear end, all those types of things. And uh, I said to him, how do you keep from envying me my youth? How do you keep from saying, I wish I was like you? I had your health. I was 37. How come he gets to be young and I'm stuck being old like this? First of all, it's impossible not to envy somebody like that. Again, that's your reaction. But then the response can be different. I can envy everybody because they're all walking. And I'm not. That could be my first reaction. Why am I envying them? They can walk and I can't. Well, I have to accept the fact I can't. So the issue is to accept your difference and revel in what you have and let them revel in what they had. Because you were young once. This is their time to be 30, 40. You had your time. You can't go backwards. So what I would say is you have to find what is good, true, and beautiful in your life now and not look back. And it has that 
again, a competitive attitude. It's so funny he uses that word competitive because that was the line I remember him saying to me. Uh, it still resonates with me all these years later. He said, Mitch, age is not a competition. Think about that mm-hmm. sentence. Age is not a competition. Now, he's right, but that's not how we act in this country. We start lying about our age, depending on how egotistical you are, by 29. We start referring ourselves <laughs> in our mid-30s when we're 38, you know, uh, right. or our 40s when we're 49. This we, is what I do, 50, like in my 50s now, right? Yeah. So like if I'm 55, I'll say I'm almost 60. So the people will say, oh, my God. Gosh, you look so good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I always go up about four years. That's an ego just thing to test too. The waters. Yeah, you just want you just, just to see what it's going to be like when you're actually sixty. Of course, then when you say that and nobody reacts, like, hmm, well, you, you know, you look your age, and you go, well, wait a minute, Trust I'm not me. actually sixty. Trust me, that's happened before. Yeah. <laughs> we are the real Brady Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg. And uh, who were you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of the Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why the Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are the real Brady Bros. I remember when I started my job as a uh, sports columnist, and I was very fortunate, and I got a very high-profile job in Detroit as the lead columnist for the Detroit Free Press when I was actually 25 years old. I barely turned 25 years old, and that's very young for that position. And I remember, because I looked like I was in high school, I actually lied about my age the other direction. For the first handful of years that I was here, you know, people would would ask how old I was, and I would always say, I could never bring myself to say I was 30 because that, you know, and then it was a different decade, but I would say, you know, uh-huh. late 20s, uh, you know, or if they pressed me, I'd say 28, I'm going to be 29 soon or something like that. Because I figured, well, uh-huh. I'm 25, I will be 29 soon. I'll be 29 in four years. <laughs> it's soon. <laughs> I shouldn't have done it, but it was interesting that I was trying to, you know, portray myself a certain way. But I was portray- mm-hmm. trying to portray myself as, as more mature. Now uh, we get to this stage where we do so much with the way that we look, uh, the way that we dress, the way that we act, because, well, I think there are two reasons. One, in this country, there is such an emphasis on youth and, and staying young in a youth culture that you feel totally out of it if you're not. If you don't get a certain kind of music, if you don't get certain kinds of clothing, they now have expressions for people like that. It's get off my lawn guy, you know, which I find a truly offensive type of statement that just because you're older and you don't like something or you question something that's new, you get dismissed as, oh, you're the get off my lawn guy. Like you're the old guy in in Up, played by, was it Ed Asner who did that? You know, right in my house. No, that's not it. Sometimes you are being critical because you have wisdom. You have something to offer. You have been around a certain length of time, but we don't value that in our culture. We don't hold it precious. There are cultures around the world, fewer and fewer, where the old are celebrated, where their knowledge is considered venerable. And, you know, we've all, we all studied, I think we were coming up Native American tribes and things like that, where the elders, there was such a word, elders was something you aspired to. One day you'd be one of the elders. You say you're one of the elders today, 
you're admitting defeat. You know, you're basically saying, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm useless and I'm, I have nothing to contribute to this society. Well, it should never be that way. Yeah. It also, I think, crosses over into employment these days. That's right. Um, there is such a prejudice against older employees and especially in the worlds of, you know, tech, um, computer stuff. They they think, and not correctly, mind you, that if you are older than, let's say, 45, you can't possibly understand some of these concepts. But that's so not true. You know, I know so many friends of mine that are having such hard times finding jobs, say 45 and up. They send out resumes and resumes and resumes and don't even ask me about the dating sites. That's even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, it just becomes this, I don't know, this, like it's like you're at the end of your line. And I feel in many ways like I'm at the beginning. I like my age. Of your I, wisdom. I'm happy with how old well, I am. Not only, yeah. uh, not only are you there, uh, Lisa, but a good word for people who are listening to us who are in their 50s or in in their 60s. Do you know that by next year, 17% of the American population will be over 65? 17% of the population Mm. will be over 65. And I think some crazy number, don't quote me on this, but it's close to like half the percentage of the population in America is is over 50 or over 45. And it's only just going to keep getting older. So (laughs) numbers wise, Older people represent a huge segment of the population, but buying power-wise and advertisers-wise, and that's where we get into the culture that Maury talked about all the time, to advertisers, the, the thinking is that young people can be influenced and older people have made their mind up, and they use this like on toothpaste. All right, what kind of toothpaste do you use, Lisa? I use Crest. Okay, and how many? And sparkles. how many years have you used Crest? <laughs> Probably most of my life. Right. So their their thinking is, yeah. I'm a I'm, I'm a Crest person myself, uh, and their thinking is, you won't change. You'll see a commercial about how gleaming your teeth can get with Colgate or something else, and you might laugh at it and you might admire it, but you will not change your Crest toothpaste. So why bother with you? On the other hand, those 20-year-olds who are still making up their mind about what kind of car they're going to drive or what kind of toothpaste they're going to use or whatever, we can get to them. And so, so much of the advertising is geared towards younger people because it's believed that younger people are more pliable, which when you think about that, we're chasing, older people are chasing after this culture of young and and whatever. (laughs) And the only reason there's a culture like that is because they're dumb enough to be convinced by a Colgate commercial that they should buy that toothpaste. So really, what's the rush to emulate youth if all this emphasis commercialism youth-wise is really just because they can be influenced to buy something? In a way, they're sort of saying they're naive enough that we can get them to buy our products. Whereas you older people, you're too smart for us. You've already figured out what you want and you're not going to do it. So, you know, in a certain way, we should be, we should admire that, you know, but we don't. We feel inadequate. We feel that uh, we're just not, we're not making the grade if we don't get young. And so we start to envy it and we start to envy younger coworkers who are more valued than us. And we are, you're right, Lisa, we're being let go in ridiculous numbers for younger people who are willing to work cheaper. And so you get to your mm-hmm. mid-50s, it's a danger zone. How many people out there who have been let go in their 50s and can't find another job. A recent AARP study showed that nearly two out of three workers 45 and older 
have experienced age discrimination on the job. And another study of 2,000 workers over 50 showed that more than half were forced to leave their jobs at some point due to layoffs or businesses closing or job dissatisfaction, whatever. And of them, of them, 10% ever found another job. 10% ever found another job. Because try to get hired when you're 54 or 57 or 59. Right. And it's frightening because think about that. When you're 55, you still have 10 more years before you can even start collecting Social Security, right? right? So those people have 10 years to do what? It's what a panic they must be in. And I know a friend of mine who applied for a job, very qualified for this position, very qualified. She was told she was, quote, overqualified. Yeah. All she wanted was a job. It was a good job. She would have been perfect for the job. I think overqualified is code for old. Old, yeah. That's, well, that's think it about is. it. Why do we want to hire somebody older? We're going to have to pay them more. Why do we want to mm-hmm. have to hire somebody older? They're going to use more of their health benefits. They might get sick. We're going to have to ride them for a while. We have a better odds of, of a younger worker who's not going to miss work because they're sick, not going to take advantage of the benefits because they're sick. All these economic reasons that people have for not hiring older people without thinking of the most important reason that they are experienced and they are wise right. and that they and they have something to offer. I asked Maury about how it was that here he was a college professor. Now think about this, a college professor. So what is the age group that he is constantly working with? 18 to 22, right? They never get older. These people are always younger. And he saw them coming in and they were the currency and he was getting older and older. So I asked him about any envy that could come from a position like that where you're aging, but the people you're working with never do. How did you keep all those years that you were always, you were getting older and your clientele, so to speak, your students were always young. I mean, they, there was always 18 to 22, 18 to 22, 18 to 22 Mm. over and over again. How did you uh, keep from noticing the distance that was growing between you and them. Mitch, part of me is every age, and part of me is 78. Mm -hmm. I'm a three-year-old, I'm a five-year-old, I'm a 37-year-old, I'm a 50-year-old. I've been through all of them, I know what it's like, and I delight in being a child when it's appropriate to be a child, Mm -hmm. I delight and being an old wise man, it's appropriate. The old wise man, we never lose that unless you want to hide it. But we all have all those ages in us because we went through them. That's a brilliant analysis of it because he sure basically is. says, I've, I, I remember after that, he said, why should I be envious of where you are? I've already been where you are. I've already been where you are. You should be envious of me. I got 38 years on you, 40 years on you. And he was right. You know, I was not guaranteed that I was going to get to 78. I still am not. Mm -hmm. He already reached 78. So my position should have been, boy, am I envious of you, Maury. Look at all the years you've had to live and to grow, whatever. I'm only at 37. I hope God grants me those years to live that long. And instead, we tend to flaunt our youth. Ha <laughs> ha, get off the lawn, old man, you know, that, that business. How silly. Inside me is every age I've ever been. Think of that, what Maury just said. 
inside me is every age I've ever been. So when a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old somehow makes you feel out of place or archaic, you can say to yourself, inside me is already a 25-year-old. But the trick, the trick, Lisa and, and everybody, the trick is to be satisfied with that. Not to try to go repeat it. Not to say, well, I, inside me is a 25-year-old and I am now 50 years old and I want to be 25 again. That will leave you frustrated. That will leave you unsatisfied. That will leave you miserable because that's the one thing we haven't figured out how to do yet, except in film, where apparently they can make your face now look like Will Smith in Gemini Man and, and the, uh, right. <laughs> the uh, Robert De Niro. and every, They can literally just be young again. But that's, that's movie magic. It's not real life. Well, there's only a couple of things I, I would say I envy about being younger. W one thing is I wish that I would have appreciated being 24 when I was 24. You know, I wish I would have had a child when I was younger. I, I wish I could talk to my younger self and go backwards yeah. only to send the messages from the other side. Right. You know, there's things you don't know then that you know now. And I guess we should value those things that we know now. That's but it's right. it's a darn shame. And save more money. I wish I would have <laughs> saved more money when I was in my 20s. Right. <laughs> right. But if you knew all those things when you were in your 20s, they wouldn't be your 20s. <laughs> They'd be your 50s. Right. That's true. Very few people are as wise as they end up being in their 50s in their 20s. And they make mistakes and they do things that they later come to regret. Some of the th those things they can undo. Some, like having children, you can't, although I will say that I share that same regret with you. I didn't get married until my late 30s, and my wife was a couple years older than me, and we weren't able to have children by the time we got married. And at the time, I didn't think it was so awful because I was very career-oriented, and I, you know, I just thought, well, I'm busy anyhow, and it's all right, it'll just be the two of us. But as the years passed, we began to feel that ache, uh, my wife even more than me, and there was nothing to be done about it at that point. But lo and behold, when you think, well, you know, boy, I'm just going to have to live with that regret. And this is an important lesson. I ended up going down to Haiti in 2010. And in 2010, I was just into my early 50s. And I ended up going to an orphanage. And one thing led to another. And I ended up taking over the operations of that orphanage. Now, I would not have had the means to take over the operations of that orphanage, the experience to take over the operations of that orphanage, the time to take over the operations of that orphanage, if I had not led the life that I had led up to that point. But because I had, and I had already been working in charities, and why had I been working in charities? Because I was lucky enough to have earned some money and, and been able to invest, put it into charities and operate them. So I had that experience. I ended up taking over this orphanage, and now we have 52 children that we raise there, that my wife and I consider our family. They, we, mm -hmm. they don't call us mom and dad, but these are orphans who really, in many cases, don't even have their mothers or fathers, natural mothers or fathers alive. In, in other cases, one parent might be alive, but they have nothing to do with them or they've abandoned them or they can't afford them. And we're raising these children. We have all these wonderful children in our life. Do they look like us? No, they don't. Do they talk like us? No, they don't. Do they come from our DNA? No, they don't. But in our 50s, we were blessed with the experience of children. Not the same yeah. as the way we would have had it in our 20s. But you see, some things will come to you if you're open to them. If you're open mm -hmm. to sort of saying, well, I can't do it that way. I can't be 24 anymore. 
We can't just get pregnant, but there's a whole other way to have a family and a whole other way to have children in your life. And we were blessed to discover that. And there's there's a version of that for everybody in some way, shape or form. Maury was very realistic about what he could and couldn't be at 78 and dying from ALS. I can't be a child that runs at a great speed. I can be a child in my attitude toward wonder, a wonder toward the universe or the light, the simple thing, or laugh, Mm -hmm. you know, uproariously. Uproariously. Yes, (laughs) that's right. You can still have the wonder of a child. You can still laugh uproariously. You don't have to look at aging as some kind of sentence, as some kind of punishment Mm -hmm. that you're getting because you've stuck around so long. And I think what Maury said at the beginning of the program, and we, I played this at the very beginning before we even talked about what the topic was going to be because I thought it was going to be pertinent, and I'll remind you of it here. I think people have, so much of them have not found meaning in their life. So they're running all the time, looking for it, not knowing that that's what they're looking for. That is apropos to what we're talking about here. When you are not satisfied or have not found something significant in your life, it's easy to say, I blew my 20s. I blew my 30s. I want want to get them over again. I want a new wife. Mm -hmm. I want a new husband. I want the newer model. I want the red sports car. I I want to live all that over again. That's generally because you probably haven't found something in your life that gives it meaning, because when you have meaning, you have contentment. I I always tell people when I I go to the orphanage in Haiti, I sleep better there than I ever do in the United States. Now, this is in a country where it's 100 degrees at night sometimes, and the air conditioning, if it ever works, is very, very spotty, and the electricity goes out all the time, and we don't have any power, and the beds are, you know, the cheapest mattresses, and the pillows are the, whatever you can buy in Haiti that's not, you know, nobody's on goose down down there. And yet, I go to sleep at the end of the day satisfied that the kids there needed me and I was there for them. And I wake up in the morning without an alarm clock because they're always up at six o'clock in the morning running across the yard going, you know, guess on. <laughs> you just hear somebody yell. And, the, you know, the, it's like, guess on. You know, there's, there's kids squealing and laughing and giggling and, and occasionally crying. And it's the most wonderful thing to wake up to. And I sleep well because I have a sense of meaning. I have a sense of being needed. And that has come to me late in life, later than parenting normally does. But it makes me feel young without me having to be young. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I don't need to be 25 to feel good about myself or to feel good about waking up in the morning. And neither do any of you. If you find something that's meaningful, whatever it is, your family, the the, the type of work, the the creative output that you have, uh, giving to some kind of charitable organization or helping people in need or just one thing or two things in your day where you go out of your way to make life a little better for somebody else. That can give you that very youthifying, if there is such a word, feeling of being satisfied. Because that's really, when we think back on our youth, Lisa, do you remember thinking, boy, I'm happy because, because my body works 
And because I can eat a <laughs> cheesesteak at three in the morning and not get sick. You weren't happy Never. because, of, no, because we weren't aware of it. What made no, us. I didn't appreciate it. Right. What made yeah. us happy was we were optimistic about the day. Mm-hmm. And we woke up and we said, yeah, today I'll get to do this. Well, why does that have to stop just because you reach a certain age? You can be joyous, laugh uproariously, be optimistic. All it takes is finding some meaning in your life. Yes, and you can still have dreams. I think that's a big mm. fallacy that once you get to a certain point in life that you still can't dream you know, of better things or things that you can do in your future. Until you're dead, you can still dream. That's right. You know? Yeah, and there's no reason. And reach goals. No reason you can't take on something new. No reason you can't mm-hmm. say, I've never done this before, but I'm going to. I always admired when uh, the f- former President Bush, the older President Bush, decided to jump out of a plane when he was mm-hmm. in his very advanced <laughs> age uh, because he'd never done it before. And why not now? And I thought he set a great example for people saying, well, why does that? You can't say, oh, that's a young person's thing. There's no such thing as it's a young person's thing. Doing what you mm-hmm. dream about is not a young person's thing. The mindset of I can't do it is an old person's thing. And that's something that yes. we have to fight against. The mindset of I am too old. You don't ever need to say to yourself, I am too old. Look at Maury. That's true. Maury was 78, stricken with the worst of diseases. ALS, yeah. you know, snips the connection between your brain and the rest of your body. Everything eventually becomes stiff and unconnected and and useless. You can't move anything. And maybe you can move a toe. Maybe you can blink your eyes. In Maury's case, he was very blessed that he could still talk. Many ALS patients can no longer even talk. They need to be carried from place to place. But Maury's mind stayed intact. And because his mind stayed intact, and it's rare that our minds go, of course, there are, you know, diseases as we get older, uh, Alzheimer's and and the like, that, that do affect the mind strokes and these are terrible things and they're a different category. But just getting older doesn't mean your mind doesn't have to work anymore. Even if you got some flab around the middle, even if you can't run a, a, a six minute mile anymore or an eight minute mile. Or you, I'm or lucky a tw- I can run six minutes. Or a, tw- <laughs> or a 12 minute mile. You can't do those yeah. things, but your mind can still work. So look at Maury. His body was totally useless, but he said, I can still be valuable. I can teach. And that's what he did. And he taught me more in that seven or eight month span of his dying days than I had probably ever learned in college or anywhere else. And he likened his dying to being a leaf on a tree. And you know, when a leaf is about to fall off a tree, what happens? It turns colors and it turns the most brilliant color, right? A tree Mm -hmm. is never more bright, never more colorful a leaf than when it's about to die. Right? And Maury saw that. That's genius, Mitch. Well, I didn't think it up. That was Maury. And that's what he said. But I have remembered it, and I have tried to guide myself by it, that our our brightest colors may still be yet to come. And just before we fall off the tree, we could dazzle. We could dazzle. And if you believe that, then... The days to come are exciting because you're going to take all of what you have learned in your life and carry it with you. Think of a young person as having a satchel on their back and an old person as having a satchel on their back. And what goes in the satchel are all the experiences that have taught you something over the course of your life. That young person, that life skinny, I can eat anything I want at three o'clock in the morning young person Mm -hmm. with all their hair. What's in their satchel? It's thin, right? It barely weighs them down. Now that older person, 
who maybe has lost their hair, maybe flabby around the middle, maybe a, a little uh, cellulite here or there, needs glasses. Uh, what? Okay, but the satchel that's on that person's back, it's full. It's stuffed. It's, it's, yep. it's bursting at the brims from experiences. And if we learn to value those experiences and learn from them and realize what a great head start we have on our satchels because of the years we've been given, we'd start to look at our aging as something precious instead of what's past as something envious. And that's the lesson we want to share with you today. Remember when Maury said, why should I be envious of where you are? I've already been where you are. That is a line that you can use anytime someone younger is making you feel like you're somehow useless because of your age. <laughs> what was the famous line in um, Fried Green Tomatoes where uh, Kathy Bates is going for a parking space and these two younger women shoot in front of her and steal her parking space? And this happens more than once in the movie. And uh, they get out at one point and say, let's... Just face it, they say to her, you know, they're 20 years younger than her. We're, we're younger and we're faster. And they go in giggling into the store, something like those lines. And finally, uh-huh. at the end of the movie, they're about to go in and she just rams into their car and smashes their car <laughs> and takes the space. And she gets out and she says, let's face it, I'm older and I have more insurance. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. And I thought, okay, exactly. That's a great way to handle that kind of thing. So don't let... Don't let the envy of youth get you down. Realize that you have the control within you to be satisfied with your life and the years that you've had and that everything that you have accumulated is precious and is part of the tapestry of your life. And you'll have uh, a much happier time of it. That is our... uh Tuesday People community for today. We're glad that you're joining us here. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell your friends that they can get this podcast, where Lisa, pretty much wherever you get a podcast, right? Wherever you get a podcast and um, check into our website at wetuesdaypeople.com. On our website, we have every link to every podcast provider and all kinds of special uh, treats for you. Of course, you can find out more about Tuesdays with Maury. You can find out more about Dr. Phil. And you can find out about my new book, Finding Chica, which just came out. And talks a lot about these, uh, these themes because uh, it details about how my wife and I became parents to this beautiful little girl, a five-year-old girl from Haiti who had developed a brain tumor. And if you want to talk about aging, you know, being reversed, here is a five-year-old girl with a fatal brain tumor. And here we are in our 50s and we get to live. Now, what did she have to say about age and life? She died when she was seven. Seven for her was her whole life. That was the whole life that she knew. And in those seven years, she lit up the world and affected people in ways that almost impossible to measure in seven brief years. And there are people who live 10 times that, who will never touch as many people as little Chica did. So I've lived this, uh, you know, I, I know from whereof I speak, as my mother used to, was fond of saying. And uh, I, I know that if we just turn our attention to being appreciative of the years that we have instead of regretful of the years that we don't or the years that are gone, uh, we're going to go through life a lot happier. Until we see you next time on Tuesday People, Lisa Goich, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And I'm Mitch Alpham, and we'll see you again next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. 
We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.